Hey guys, before this episode, just wanted to say a few things. Uh, first off, around the 44-minute mark, um, Dr. Lobster's voice recording app kind of gunked out. Um, it took a second to kind of readjust, so you're going to hear a little bit of a of an edit, and it's going to go to the Skype backup, so the audio is going to dip in quality for the last 10 minutes or so. So, sorry about that, but good thing we had the backup, or else we wouldn't have had that opportunity. So, good on us. Uh, second thing is, if you haven't checked it out already, uh, be sure to look at our regular episode. They're dropping every Wednesday, where Will and I kind of keep a constant discussion about our own experiences. It's a lot more in-depth, a lot more specific, and it's definitely a good time. Also, we just dropped episode one of The Road to Top 100, where I make the effort to have a short-form scripted series. (laughs) Not like this at all. Just kind of jotting my thoughts down, going through the process of making videos, and trying to sound less scripted on a week-to-week basis. Again, check out our Discord if you want to ask questions. We answered a few this week on the regular episode, and... Without further ado, check out Dr. Lobster, number one in Long Island, number two in New Hampshire, and number zero in our hearts. All right, enjoy. If you live in Long Island or New Hampshire then this man is at the top of the charts and he is the person to beat. He recently won teams and placed seventh at Scorpius. He is a New York favorite, one of the best sheiks on the come up on the East Coast, my good friend, Dr. Lobster. How you doing? I'm doing so good, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, (laughs) we talked about this a little bit just now, but... This took a few months to put together. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm excited that we finally pulled it off. You're just, you're one of these guys that once me and Will like thought to have interviews, you were like one of the first couple names to come up. Um, Thank you. <laughs> we've, we've always, we've always thought of you as someone with a really positive attitude towards the game. Um, your come up has been very consistent and interesting to watch. And um, there's just a lot I want to dive into. Hmm. So to start, do you want to just give a brief history of your competitive melee career? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, so I um, started playing melee uh, late 2013. Um, I had a friend uh, who I grew up with and went to high school with um, who watched the doc and started getting into competitive melee and dragged a couple of my friends into it, myself included. And... I played with almost exclusively him and another friend for about a couple months. And then uh, on Smashboards, I found a post about a regional happening at Stony Brook University. Uh, That was going to be in April of 2014. And then that was my first tournament. At this point, uh, I was a Marth player, uh, which is kind of funny to to look back on. and then over the summer of 2014, after the first tournament, I should mention, by the way, I was basically hooked. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Um, and then over the summer of 2014, I basically just accidentally played Sheik just on a whim when I was hanging out with my friend. And I was like, oh, this character is super fun. And then the rest is basically history. I just started playing more, going to more tournaments. Uh, and here I am. Yeah, dude, that's that's pretty dope. Um I've never seen your Marth. Do you still have one? <laughs> no, my Marth is trash. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I actually started off as a Sheik player, so I definitely understand that um, that first character sort of figuring things out. Yeah. So what, what made you want to switch to Sheik? When did that happen? Yeah, so um, I, I used to play PM pretty consistently, too. And in that Same. game, I played Zelda. And uh, I was playing some PM Zelda one day, and I was like, oh, wait. I have, like, a downbeat that turns me into another character, and that character is, like, pretty good, right? Let me, like, just fool around with that and see if, like, I like that character at all. And then I played 
she can PM, and I was like, oh, this character is, like, the sickest character ever. And then, just, like, looking on some old Melee tier list, I saw that Sheik was also good in Melee, so I was like, oh, let me let me try playing Sheik in that game. And then I just dropped Martha as soon as I played Sheik. Nice. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just history at that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you started with PM. I know PM had a really strong, like, you know, I, I started with PM too. It was just everywhere right, or, right. around that time. Um, so, the first tournament at SBU, was that while you were attending the school? No, this was actually before I attended. I um, The tournament at SBU that I went to was in April of 2014, and I graduated high school in May of 2015, I guess it was. So, this was a good year and a half before I actually went to SBU. Hmm. All right, man. So was that the deciding factor, you think? Uh, to go to SBU? <laughs> um, I'm half joking, but I still want to know the answer. Oh, uh, well, half seriously, it kind of was. <laughs> Cause oh, it, shit. It's like, um, you know, obviously I went, where I would go to college was sort of based on a couple other more important decisions, but having some sort of community that I could connect with at the college I was going to, I mean, it definitely didn't hurt, you know? That's amazing. Yeah, so so SBU is actually one of the topics I wanted to talk about first because um, it's not just another school with a smash scene. Right. I mean, to New York history, tri-state history, and especially Long Island history, where there was a point in time where we didn't know if Long Island was better than just the school of SBU. Right, I mean, right. there were th- there was a lot of conversation about that. So what was your experience coming up in such a – condensed strong smash school yeah yeah well we sort of have this um i guess you could call it like a myth about the the stony brook level up so people that start out kind of bad or mediocre at melee go to stony brook and then at the time by the end of their four years at the school they're all usually like way better and it's sort of indicative of how the school is too because we had minty who was basically for for a period of time number one on long island we had uh vortex who was ranked top 100 we had 42nd who was ranked top 100 we had equal who is a great falcon who has crazy results um and then even before that we had like bubba king we had ben Grimm, we had uh face we had coin chaser there's so many like um so many people that are so integral to the long island history and to the the history of that scene that just came from stony brook so going into that school, it was like there's this great mythos surrounding all of its its Smash players and its Smash community. Yeah, and even you know your doubles partner Lana Del Rey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Forty seconds double partner, forty seven. Right. Like just right. so many heads out of that school that still just give me nightmares <laughs> if I were to play them in bracket. It's it's just wild. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things where. You know, it makes sense that once you have a few good players, then there's like a trickle down effect right. where because, you know, they're there, then more people are interested. And then, you know, it's just kind of a uh, like a black hole sort of thing. Just because there's such a mass, it keeps so many people in and then attracts more. Right, right. Um, and you you had a hand kind of in the TOing part or, or is it just the uh, the rankings that you had a hand in? No, actually, yeah. Towards the end, I, I TOed for, for, I guess, about a year it was. Cool. Yeah, and how, how was that experience? Uh, it was good, actually. Um, I kind of learned... Yeah, I would say I learned a lot about what it, just the responsibilities that a TO has and, and sort of what's expected of them, how to run a bracket effectively, how to seed a bracket effectively how to advertise like i learned a lot about that stuff cool yeah that's definitely valuable um do you see yourself toing more going forward or do you think it's just like you put your time in you're kind of done no i definitely could see myself going back to it i think um if there ever comes a point where i'm a part of a scene that needs someone to to organize things and to give it that push to make it really become an active scene then i could definitely see myself toing something Word. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm lucky where kind of tournaments seem to pop up all around me and I just reap the benefits. <laughs> there's definitely uh that's not the case for everyone. No, for sure. For sure. I realized um how like spoiled uh, <laughs> Long Island was uh, after going to to like other regions and seeing how how sparse tournaments are and how little tournaments there are just like in the state in general. 
Yeah, it feels like even in the times where there wasn't like an Aeon or um, some of the past names escape me. It, like there's there's definitely chunks of times like when SBU was on break or yeah, yeah. summer. You know, even when that was going on, there was still like random pop up tournaments coming on Long Island. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's just a very strong scene in general. Um, what are your thoughts thoughts on Long Island as a whole? Yeah, no, it's definitely strong, and I think a lot of the people on Long Island, well, not a lot of the people, but some of the people on Long Island might not see it that way, just because they they only know the Long Island scene. But you know, being able to drive forty five minutes at max to a local is it's kind of a luxury like some other states you have to drive like hour and a half plus like in texas for instance you either are close to a local or you have to drive like two hours three hours to a local which is yeah. insane like that's <laughs> that's so bad <laughs> like long island is so lucky to have the resources the resources it does to to have a great scene yeah i this is a very interesting topic because mm-hmm. um it felt a little bit like this in the later days of nebulous where mm. you know there are people that were going consistently all that but there was almost um you know people taking it for granted or a, a bit of complacency yeah that yeah could grow out of that and then on the flip side of that you look at some of these scenes with like you said you have to drive an hour and a half two hours and i think of upstate all the time right um, right and, and just the difference of that like there's a there's a difference in how they respect the tournaments themselves, how happy they are to be there when they finally are there. Right. Um, do you think Long Island, and I guess New York City too, do you think that there's a bit of um, that sour attitude that comes along from having these options? Or do you think they've they've kept away from that negativity? I think for the most part, they've kept away. There's... um. Like there's a handful of people who say they the reason that they don't come out to to some tournaments is just because the drive is like 45 minutes, and I think that's the extent of the like the negativity from that I guess sort of privilege you could call it. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Do you want to drop names? Do you want to talk some shit? <laughs> um. Nah, nah. I'll, I'll avoid. It. I'll avoid it for now. I'll keep their names out of my mouth for now. Dude, how how against brand would that be if you just came out of this podcast and roasted like, <laughs> half of the island, just talked mad shit? That would be like the the most anti Doctor Lobster thing I could do on a podcast. Ah, oh, dude, it'd be so good. Oh, I'd bring in so many ratings. All right, maybe maybe I'll I'll advertise as that and and uh, yeah, that'll be the the Red Band podcast. Yeah, dude. Oh, so good. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. There's there's more important things to talk about. Um, all right. So you talked a bunch of shit. Someone just starts now. All right. Yeah, all right. Everyone's the worst. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about your experience specifically. Yeah, sure. And um, kind of as like start macro and then maybe get more specific, you know, if it leads to that. But sure, sure. Um, there's one topic of conversation me and Will talk about all the time, and that's the idea of improvement, mm, right? Yeah. Um, so just off the bat, when you hear that word, like what comes to mind? What is the initial reaction you have to that? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, my gut reaction to improvement is – I don't want to give like a cop-out answer, but it's sort of just like – something to strive for and and I think regardless of skill level and regardless of where you want to find yourself at the end of a tournament like in terms of how well you performed I think there's always room for improvement in some way it may not necessarily be winning the tournament but it might be like I guess just you know taking a game off someone uh, taking a set off someone or even improving the quality of life of your scene by helping Tio or something like that. And so for me, improvement is something that I guess should guide. Well, maybe not should, but it helps when that guides people, regardless of where they are in the scene. So you, f- you see it more as like a guiding light. Than yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, like a firm goal. Like, I want to be here. It's more of just a direction, um, uh, like a force that pushes you yeah exactly i think it could uh manifest itself so to speak as sort of a i want to be here mentality but i don't think it has to has that been 
your thoughts since the beginning? Has it evolved in any way? Or or did you start off maybe saying, I want to, you know, hit the PR, I want to beat this player? Did you ever have differences in that sort of path? No, for sure. It's definitely what I just talked about is like a conclusion I've come to and not sort of my mindset at the outset. Um, I guess it's hard for me to remember actually what my my mentality and goals were coming into the scene. I mm-hmm. think I started off just wanting to be like, as play as well as I could, and then it sort of blossomed into, okay, now I want to beat X player. Oh, actually, no, I do remember one thing. I remember when the first, like, like to give some, uh, some background information, Long Island used to not have any PRs. There used to be a period where we didn't have, like, any group of people making PRs, and it was sort of just speculative in nature who, you know, who was our best player, who was better than who, and so on and so forth. And so... When I was coming up was when those PRs first started coming out. And I remember on one of the first ones, I wasn't on it. And I knew I had beaten, like, the bottom three people on the PR multiple times. And so I think seeing that in my head, I was like, okay, I got to be on one of these. (laughs) Um, So I think that was probably what improvement was to me at first. And then the more and more invested I became in the scene and the more and more a part of the scene I became it became improvement sort of turned into this amorphous sort of guiding light that I was talking about Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's way healthier for sure yo totally totally um and again you know on uh, me and Will's conversations uh, just recently have I been experimenting with going back to that you know I've I've kind of horseshoed around back to like okay what is the value of a firm goal at Mm -hmm. all Right, right. Um, because there is like that motivating initial spark that's like, ah, shit, you know, I've, I've beaten these guys. I could get on the PR right. if I, you know, just put up the same results I have been or just do what I expect myself to do. And I remember myself in the same experience when upstate New York, I mean, so few tournaments. I was just there for school. So I went to like, you know, two or three regionals a semester max. Right. Um, and it came out once that like someone's like top 15 players and it was like, oh, 14 Poonslayer. I'm like, yo, <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just seeing seeing your name there. It's like it's it's a boost. But um, I think I think you're definitely right that it's more important to think of improvement just as that like overall arching idea. It needs yeah. to be more it needs to be more fluid than like, OK, I'm going to hit this number or. I'm going to get this placing. Right. You know? Right. Um, that's very interesting. So let's, let's dig more into improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about your practice routine. Uh, first, I want to know what was the hardest. So in your career, unless you're, are, are you practicing your hardest now or in N- the past? No, I would say the hardest I practiced was the beginning of 2019 to the end of the summer of 2019. Oh, okay. So what was your routine like? Yeah. So that was like, that was the period where I tried to, I set out and was like, okay, I'm going to try and get enough results to be like on the, on the top hundred this year. So my practice routine was, I usually just did solo tech skill practice and I, I tried to, I tried to do it for at least 30 minutes, but I also tried to set an upper cap so I wouldn't do it for more than an hour. Um, and then I would also go to, I think basically one tournament a week, like just go to every Aeon that I could. Nice. Okay. So that upper cap is interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I understand it right away. Like I get where you're going for, but do you mind elaborating a little bit on your thought process behind setting that cap? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, uh, there's like a personal reason. And then one reason that I think is sort of universal. And so the personal one is I found that the more I solo practiced, the more tunnel visioned I got while I was playing. And for me, that was, I'm playing my best when I'm thinking the most, you know? So being tunnel visioned is the total opposite of what I want to be when I'm playing. Um, So I set that upper cap just so I wouldn't get too close-minded while I was playing. And then the sort of universal one is, I feel like when you practice melee against just like CPUs, like just comboing them, you sort of stop thinking about combo di and sort of just get ingrained in your muscle memory what cpus do so i i just set an upper limit so that wouldn't happen and then i could still focus on combo di and stuff while i was playing people 
Nice. Yeah, I think that's really smart. Yeah. Thank um, you. It, somehow, yeah, somehow Armada <laughs> can get away with that. Yeah, that still also... blows my mind, dude. I don't get how yeah. that, that cat can do that and still be so good. I think it's just like, it might be a Peach-specific thing, not mm. to get too off-topic, but right, right. I've always thought of Peach as a character that can get away with um, not like tech skill necessarily, but like technique like a mm. few maneuvers in a row if you have it really refined peach is just a monster mm. you know interesting like interesting certain certain things in neutral all that that's I, I i love peach so much dude like for <laughs> for fox main i just love peach but well, <laughs> i'll talk about that a different time sure sure um but I, I do want to talk about um that period of time still because yeah yeah i remember i remember watching you during that time and you were you know popping off um i forgot to mention it up top I'll put it in the description, no big deal, but um, you're current number one on Long Island mm-hmm. because uh, I think it's that's the range that it's being counted right now. It's not quite the winter PR yet. Right, yeah. I'm number one on the, the summer PR it was. Yeah. So it definitely paid off. I mean, you were you were coming in. You, like, dethroned K-On. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I think I remember you beating 42nd a good amount, too. Yeah, so I beat, I won... Actually, for the first time, I guess it was, I won a LI regional over 40 seconds. Yeah, man. That's good stuff. So thank you, thank how you. was... So, all right. You go to a tournament, right? Let's say it's beginning of the summer. You're starting to set this goal of, you know, placing well, playing well. And you go to your first local. Um, what are you taking away from that? What's your, like, strategy to come from that local going forward do you you know i I don't want to lead you on but to any you know answer but what's your kind of mindset in that situation yeah yeah um my mindset is sort of i don't want to say results oriented but sort of after the fact oriented so like what can i take away from this tournament what can i learn from these sets that i play and so as long as i can walk away from that tournament learning even just one thing differently, like learning, you know, what options I can use in X neutral situation or how to punish X situation. Like, that's sort of my goal. As long as I can learn something new, then that's that's like a successful quote-unquote tournament for me. Cool. And, um, you know, it's it's a bit, it's a long time ago, so I'm not going to ask for any, like, specifics, but um, did you, like, take notes? Did you start practicing in your solo practice these things like how did you cement these concepts into your play yeah yeah so the two big ones for me were notes and vod review so i have um on my phone sort of just like the classic notebook where it's like notes about certain players notes about certain matchups general just tips that if i need a quick reminder i can look at my phone and be like oh yeah like that's what i have to do and then like vod review vod review vod review you know even the hard the hard part is always watching sets that you lose because you know everybody has an ego and nobody wants to do that. But mm-hmm. as, as long as you can watch VOD review and take apart sets, like that's so critical. Yeah, I mean, hard agree. And you know, I'm guilty of not wanting to watch my losing sets as much. But you're absolutely right. Like, you know, how are you going to learn from your mistakes if you don't watch your mistakes? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so that the the idea of reviewing VODs. Um, do you feel like that took time? Was that something you were initially pretty good at, or do you think it was something you needed to really develop as a skill? Oh, definitely something that took time to develop. Um, and it didn't help too, that most of the ways that people talked about VOD review and and probably still do is sort of just like, oh, you have to go review VODs, period. No explanation of like what you should be looking for or even how you look for the things that you need to be looking for. And so... It's sort of like, it's definitely a skill that I've had to develop or some sort of like muscle that needs to be exercised in, in terms of just knowing what to look for, being able to recognize things like my bad habits or opponent's bad habits, stuff like that. Word. So do you remember any, like, do you think you could give any tips to someone who was starting to get into, I'm, I'm using this totally selfishly right now. Give no, no, please. Tips. <laughs> help me figure out how to bots because i'm i'm honest like i totally feel like i'm in that you know i've been playing for a while but still like if i review vods then i'm really just looking more for like when i got hit that's kind of where i'm at it's like all right how did i get hit right right that's kind of my starting point which seems okay but like 
give a little bit of your insight of what you've learned reviewing VODs. Yeah, I th- a lot of it stems from that sort of basic how did I get hit questioning, but I think a more, I don't want to say important framework, but a more uh, a, a more useful framework would be like why did I get hit, right? So it's like if you look at any neutral situation, ideally there's some there's a reason that you did what you did in that neutral situation and there's a reason that the opponent reacted the way they did in that situation. And so for me a large part of VOD review is looking at those situations and really really like taking a knife to them and just cutting them apart and taking them piece by piece and examining them. So like if I like as Sheik do an auto cancel fair in a situation, like VOD review would be, okay, well why did I choose that option in neutral except in, instead of uh, like a different option why did i not choose to just sit back and charge needles or do another aerial or do something do anything else and then it would be looking at the next part would be looking at the opponent and being like well okay they reacted to my auto cancel fair with like a wave dash back did they do that off of a read have i been auto cancel fairing like pretty frequently in neutral uh, or did they just throw that out there as sort of their own option and then once you get a, a foothold on that, the rest kind of can unfold by itself. Because then you can start looking into things like, well, okay, did my opponent look at this one auto-cancel fair as sort of like, like, did I condition them? Did they expect an, an auto-cancel fair in the next neutral situation? Did I expect a wave dash back in response to my auto-cancel fair in the next situation? And so on and so forth. Hmm. That was such a juicy answer. Uh, you couldn't see it, but I started just grinning. Like, <laughs> you know, it might be a little early for, for what I anticipated to get into those details. But oh my God, that's like exactly the type of stuff I just love talking about. Thank you, man. Thank um, you. So, okay. We'll, we'll dissect this a little more as much as we can. Yeah, for without, sure. Without like physically playing the game. But let's take this auto cancel fair situation. Right, right. Um, do you identify your habits easily or are they things you have to continuously run into to notice you know for me it's it's difficult to remain self-aware consistently over the type of things that i'm doing unless i'm just doing them so often that like it's blatantly obvious you know how do you go about setting habits in you know specifically in these like micro situations yeah yeah um that is a tough question because I don't really have a good answer for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've just noticed over time, like, I'll eventually reach a point in my analysis and improvement where I'll notice a habit. And then if I watch a VOD from, like, say, three months ago, I'll see that habit, like, so blatantly. And then it's like, well, why didn't, like, how did I not notice this sooner? I do it every mm-hmm. time, right? But yeah. it's sort of, I think it's just something that comes with, it just comes over time and after like repeated attempts at improvement right well i'll i'll kind of open this up to like not i'm not gonna expect an answer but like how do we how do we even do that you know how do we go about figuring ourselves out yeah more efficiently it's what do you have any ideas of like how this affects our human nature what was your major by the way i have a feeling you're a psych major am i totally off you're not too far off i was a political science major oh okay that's not useful um (laughs) Maybe if you get into the Illuminati for uh for the TOing, I could ask you some questions and you can just like infiltrate with your political science <laughs> background. <laughs> but it doesn't apply here. Right, um, so right. <laughs> what do you what do you think, you know, we can do to better that skill? It seems very difficult. Yeah, man. Um I think I think extended self-reflection in any sort of medium can be difficult and daunting to say the least um and and that's you know totally true for for melee as it is for probably all sorts of competition but i think oh actually i do have one one bit of advice um that uh actually subtle zach ripple told me um Mm. back when i was first probably within like the first three or so years of me playing um and that was not to be too hard on yourself as you improve because i think a lot of people have the mentality that if they see themselves make a mistake 
or if they can recognize either after a set or after uh, like analysis or review that they made a mistake. They're like, oh, you know, God, why, why did I even try that? Like, why did I do that there? But part of becoming a better player is making yourself more aware of those types of mistakes. So naturally, you're going to see yourself making those mistakes more because your own sense of those mistakes and your own ability to perceive those mistakes is getting better. So the one piece of advice I could sort of have just off the top of my head is don't be too hard on yourself if you're noticing yourself making like a bunch of mistakes because the fact that you're noticing those mistakes means you're getting better. Dope. I think that's such a good answer. And um, I think that actually brings me into another topic I wanted to talk about, which mm-hmm. um, I won't I won't start off as generally as the improvement thing. But, you know, mindset, I think, is um, yeah. a word that gets thrown around a lot. Right, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of different kind of angles on that idea. So I'll, I'll preempt it a little more specifically. Um, I believe you to be a player that is generally very positive mm-hmm. and it it's not to the point of taking away your um competitive drive or your your fierceness in a in an actual tournament um but i remember one of our first like strong interactions where you came up to me and you're like hey man i think we should money match yeah and then yeah. we just like we just like traded you know game fives yeah <laughs> yeah back-to-back money matches and then afterwards i was like fuck that was great <laughs> like, <laughs> that was just such a great positive experience like we played so good we walked away both with our pride like yeah yeah and you know that's that's a bit you know circumstantial but um it stuck with me in the sense of you are a player that is is seemingly and you know i'm gonna give you room to you know have more of a fleshed out identity than this but seemingly very good at controlling his emotions Mm, and mm. enjoying the game for the most part and when it comes down to playing to take it very seriously um so if i missed any nuances go ahead and and throw that out there but i I do want to hear you kind of talk on that mindset question yeah yeah well i just have to you know clarify first like everybody i'm not perfect by any means and you know i've gotten i've gotten mad after sets i've been angry with myself after a tournament you know even even the person with the best mentality in the world will have those days um so that's the only only sort of clarification i have um but yeah so just generally having a good mindset is something that i've I've really tried to work on a lot and i think a lot of it stems from what we we talked about earlier, right? Which is sort of having like a long-term goal of just improvement and not so much of a short-term goal of I want to do X thing as being at least your underlying sort of motivation, if that makes sense. Right. Um, And then, yeah, it's just sort of... Recently, it's been more about like just focusing on having fun at tournaments than it has just improving in general. Um, and I think that's helped a lot too, especially as of late. Um, but, but yeah, I've always tried to just have like a good mindset when it comes to competing and playing and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear that because, um, whenever I bring this up with other players that, you know, I, I, I actually pride myself on, on being in that camp. I mm-hmm. think it's one of my strengths is, yeah, yeah. Is being able to generally have, you know, positive emotions come out, but um, it's interesting the way you phrase it is you try to have a good mindset. And again, it comes back to that like skill you develop, just like practicing or studying VODs. Right. It was right. there, was there kind of like an initial moment where you started to understand the value of it? Or was it just like, man, I want to have more fun. Like I want to enjoy this process more. Like take me through that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two big ones that I can sort of remember. One happened a, a decent long time ago and one happened very recently. Um, so the one a long time ago, I was playing a set against uh, Lefty, who is a, a Sheik, now Sheik Fox player. Yeah, from Lefty. Island. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember I was up 2-0 in, in a best of five and I went for 
uh, like the game winning kill confirm or the set winning kill confirm and like I just miss inputted and then after I lost that and I lost the game because of it and then after I lost that game I couldn't concentrate and I lost the next two games after that <laughs> and yeah so it was it was a pretty rough set to lose to say the least for for young fledgling Dr. Lobster <laughs> <laughs> and so after that set I was like okay like I, I need to do something about this like I need to I need to practice some sort of skill so that if I get to that point again, I can keep a clear mentality. And so I started just, I guess, browsing sort of Smashboards and, and YouTube. And I, I wasn't really a big Redditor at that point, so I didn't really go to the Smash Reddit. But Good. I, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was just browsing those those for resources about mentality. And I, I stumbled across a video. I think it was one of the early... Scar and Toph show. Yeah, I think it was the Scar and Toph show with Mango. It was like one of the first few episodes. And Scar was talking about how Mango said to him that when he needs to concentrate, he just like envisions like an empty body of water and like an endless empty body of water. And he just tries to calm his like his mind and his soul just based on that image. And so I heard that and like, started trying to do similar meditative techniques both before and during tournament sets and just practicing those over and over like really helped in the long run um so that was the first the first sort of incident uh in terms of a like changing my mindset about being happy and like just having fun at a tournament and then the second one was very very recent it was the month leading up to and the first month after I started grad school, which I started grad school in September of 2019. And I knew going to tournaments and being in grad school was going to be hard because I had never really done anything like that where I was balancing like the stress of competing with the stress of grad school, but I didn't <laughs> expect it to be as hard as it was to say the least. So what ended up happening to keep like a long story short was I, I just couldn't play well and I was getting very frustrated at myself for not being able to play well so part of what helped me get past that period was just like reorienting or reorientating myself um in terms of just going from someone who competes to compete versus someone who goes to tournaments to see their friends and have fun and and that sort of realignment I guess like helped in, in droves like it was great um yeah, I think that answers your question. <laughs> no, for sure. That was yeah, yeah. that was great. Um and funny enough, you keep doing this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that that segues really really well into one of my other, you know, questions that I wrangle with all the time, which is, you know, how do we keep melee in our lives? And I, I mean that right. in, the, in the two ways it could be interpreted, meaning like how do we accomplish the feat of keeping it in our lives and in what way do we insert it into our day-to-day lives? Right, know? right. And so at this point, you know, I, I assume it's – you're still in that similar mindset of um, going to tournaments, having fun, right? Because you're still in grad school. Yeah, currently. yeah, of course. Um, but going forward, what are your plans for taking this game seriously? Do you think you'll want to make a return? Do you think that this is something you just can't quit or – do you think it's time that it starts to fade away and, and lead to other ventures? No, I, I totally I totally see myself playing Melee when I'm like 35 years old. <laughs> like, there's there's no chance that I, I leave this game. This game's just too damn good, dude. Yep. Um, but insofar as keeping it in my life, I'm probably just going to focus on sort of this having fun mindset and, and just seeing where that leads for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried the I'm going to try as hard as I can mentality, like I said, for, for the beginning of 2019 till the end of the summer. And I, it just wasn't for me, I found out. So I'm just going to try this new one and see where it takes me. Yeah, man. Um, I, I feel like there's a big all or nothing type mantra. That's oh, totally. Like, totally. That, that is, you know, the, the, the one name that really comes to mind is the Bobby Big Balls of the world. You know? Right, right. Where, like, you got to love the guy. He's, you know, he's a whole conversation of himself. <laughs> yeah. His dedication is is unmatched for someone who is not, like, 
top 10. So yes, he's improving at such a rapid rate and going to so many tournaments and putting up results and making a name for himself. But like that, that sort of attitude and that sort of commitment is very difficult to maintain. Yeah. And I feel that trying to emulate that brings a lot of players at our level at that, as I've said, like striking distance to top 100 level, it brings a, 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 a decision to the forefront that doesn't need to be made right, right. of do we commit completely to this game? And my attitude has been to kind of set melee firmly, but at the same time, delicately mm. into like a fourth or fifth slot in my life. Yeah. yeah. Where it could always be triumphed by family, by, you know, career or or by you know other things right but at the same time it will consistently come up and it will always be there and that's you know proven to be effective but there's still the struggle of you know what can we do so let me let me bring you this question Mm -hmm. do you feel the kind of the other side of that of man, I wish I was trying harder. Do you ever feel regret for not putting in that 130% effort that is constantly popping up on social media or in the, you know, combo video that pops up? Like, do you feel that pressure at any point? Mm. Well, I haven't yet, thankfully. And I think it's, it's in large part due to what melee is to me right and probably to you too from what you've just been talking about i think um as long as you're comfortable so any sort of shift in what like what melee is to you is going to be it's going to come after some sort of period of self-reflection i think just sort of naturally and as long as after that period or during it or because of it you're comfortable with where melee is in your life i don't think i think you'll be pretty safe from insecurities uh just because you'll have made like peace with what melee is to you if that makes sense yeah i agree i think some of it too is um like external insecurities like Mm -hmm. will this game survive (laughs) yeah yeah now there's definitely Uh, some some existential dread in the melee community as of late yeah that's that's an interesting thing to tackle with too it's like okay well oh the game will always quote unquote exist like yeah. they'll always be you know I'll, I'll always be able to hit up like a core five to ten people and just be like hey you want to come over and play well and drink and, and all that right like, right i don't think that's at risk of going away but this you know opportunity for like have you ever even and, and be honest have mm-hmm. you ever considered melee to be a career path um let me think back for a second. I don't I don't think I have, mostly just because of a combination of one, the lack of money in the scene, which is super unfortunate. Sure. Um and two, I've been very uh like focused on being a lawyer for a long time, so that's that's been guiding me and pushing me just as much cool. as Melee has. Alright. <laughs> so I'm I'm lucky. I know a lot of people are not like that. Right. No, it's um, it's an interesting. I mean, it, all this, every everything that's even slightly orbiting the concept of melee is so fascinating. But like, yeah, yeah, the whole, you know, we don't have to to sit on it too much. If you said yes, if you're like, yeah, a little bit, I would have gone onto this whole rant about it. But if, <laughs> if you're if you're telling the truth and it's not, you know, never popped in your mind, I think that, you know, it, it is it is a blessing to be. Because I, I think I'm I'm slightly in your boat. Mm-hmm. I um, I've always thought of melee as just an opportunity to develop skills that are tangentially related. You know, this is a great example. I'm developing the skill of podcasting that can oh. be applied elsewhere. Not to get into that too much, but um, I'm curious as to your thoughts on. Hold on, I don't know if you can hear me, JD, but I think I fricked up the audio. Can Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Okay. Say something? Hello? Okay. We're back. We're back. Nice. All right. <laughs> so sorry about that, man. No, you're good. 
So the idea of putting melee as a priority, um, do you have any thoughts on, you know, your peers or, or people close to you making that decision? And, and from your perspective, what are your opinions on that? Mm, yeah, I think... I don't think I know anyone in my my closest circle who has made the decision to make melee their like a, a career, quote unquote. The closest one that I, I can think of was um, Darktooth back when he was sponsored for a bit. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the way to do it is like you have to be some sort of content creator. Um, I think just based off of who is successful as like making melee a career and how they do it, I think what is key is making some sort of some sort of marketable content off of melee or at least melee derived like like ludwig who is quote unquote a melee player but his big his big stuff came afterwards you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah i mean i totally agree um hence what we're doing right now yeah hey, exactly exactly the big c word am i right but <laughs> yeah it's um it's probably not gonna happen for a lot of people it's it's a sad sad road to talk about uh, yeah, yeah. i don't want to dwell on it but there is a sort of hope that always springs out of the conversation of you know how great the game is you said it unprompted earlier just like yo this game is way too good to quit ever yeah yeah and so the long tail of that i mean there's there's got to be there, there's got to be something else at the end of the tunnel if there's so many players like you and me that just won't let go mm. you know how do you how do you see these players that just will stick around for like year after year just never just never quitting like do you think that there is do you think that there's a world where someone breaks into the top 10 the top 15 after just being decent <laughs> yes, for like yeah. eight years do you think that's yeah. possible I, I didn't up until very recently, um, and then I heard <clears throat> Ginger talk about an anecdote where he mentioned that he had been playing Melee at, like a like you were saying, like a decent level for about eight years before he became a top 100 player. And then after hearing that, I was sort of like, okay, may, I think it's possible. I think um, like there's always a time and place for someone to to see results from the work they put in. Man, that just gave me hope. That was a shot of adrenaline right into my own heart. <laughs> That's how I felt when I heard it. Like hearing that, I was like, okay, I can, I can not compete as seriously in this game for a bit and still maybe make it somewhere at the end. Yeah, man. Well, we could only hope. Yeah. And um, we're actually starting to wind down a little bit. I um, have one final question. Okay. That okay. I always give to our guests. Um, and this is this is what it is. All right. So. Here's the scenario. You are introduced to a player who's been practicing melee, you know, taking it seriously for about a year, year and a half. So L cancels, wave dashes, some some minor, you know, tech skill proficiency. What do you do to be the, you know, sensei to this player? How do you go about getting this player to be as successful as possible? Ooh, that is a, a good question. Um, and one that I, I've thought about more and more as I, I become more and more of like an old head in the scene, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, is this a player that is in the region that I'm in? Yeah. Are they going to the same tournaments that I'm going to? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think what I would do is the number one thing that I would try and do is I would be there with them at the tournaments and just be something that they can look forward to at the tournaments. Cause I think, I think that's the healthiest thing for me to do both for the scene and for them. Um, just because I, I think that what new players need is, is more than anything, a reason to stick with the scene. And I think someone who's at the tournament with them, who they can be friends with and, and enjoy playing with, like having that IRL, interaction i think that's like that's what it's all about um so that would that would be principally um like the first thing that i would do 
and 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 then besides that, just in terms of resources, I would I always offer to give like VOD analysis and like talk about sets with people or just talk about melee in general. So that would be on the table. And then I also always offer like if people want to play serious quote unquote sets with me, that's another thing I throw out there. Um, and yeah, I would say those are the the three things I would do. Cool. Yeah. So I I have like a second part to the question. Yeah, please. Um what would be like one or two sentences max the most important lesson that you could kind of give to this person if you only had a few sentences to to give your wisdom what would that be oh god all right <laughs> i'm gonna need a couple seconds to think about that sure um Okay, so I have one practical one, one practical sentence, and one uh, sentence that gets me excited about Melee whenever I think about it. So the practical one is, don't be afraid to lose. Um, And then the one that always gets me excited is, like, Melee is like two jazz saxophonists trying to slam dunk on each other on a basketball court. (laughs) (laughs) And, And those would be the two sentences I would tell them. What? Yeah. Oh, I've never heard that in my life. Can you I, say that I, again? Melee is like two jazz saxophonists trying to slam dunk on each other on a basketball court. Oh, my God. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, I'm so happy we finally put this together. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a better way to, to end an episode than quite possibly the best analogy I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> um. If you have any plugs, if you have anything you want to shout out, now's the time. Okay. Uh, shout outs to the Long Island scene for being incredible. Shout outs to, to Stony Brook for being where I, I became myself, basically. Shout outs to everybody who plays Melee. Uh, my only plug is just to support your local scene and be a, a healthy member of your community. And, you know, just have fun. Man, just the best way to ring off the new year i'm so happy you came on dr lobster thank you so much man 